Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome to Royals Review Radio. I'm your host, Jacob Milham, and joining me for the Wednesday episode, we got the crew back together. It's Jeremy Greco and Greg Walker. Jeremy, how you doing tonight, man? Oh, I'm okay. I might be better in 2024, 2025, but <laughs> I'm doing okay, I guess. Well, we'll we'll just have to rebuild and retool for you to be better in 2024 and 2025, Jeremy. Can I trade my knee for a younger prospect? I just (laughs) it it would be at least be more controllable. I think I think that's the priority is having control. Absolutely. So maybe like trade your injured knee for like a steady wrist or something like that. Maybe I don't don't know. I would probably take that trade. Absolutely. Greg, are are you falling apart, man? Do you need to rebuild as well? No, I can't complain. I mean, you know, the, the ceiling isn't the highest here, but I got plenty of team control at least, so <laughs> that's a definite plus. Oh, man, we are starting <laughs> off the show on a little, I wouldn't call it a bitter note, but a very much a, a very pessimistic note. And uh, it's it's not like the team's actually given us a whole lot of reason other than to be pessimistic. We got a lot of news this week, but if you want to keep up to date um, in written format, you can go check out RoyalsReview.com. And you could also check out Royals Review on Twitter and on Facebook. All right, guys, we got a couple of a uh, couple of moves to talk about. You want to talk about Taylor or Mondesi first? Well, let's go in order. Let's go Taylor first. All right. Sounds like a plan to me. All right. So for all y'all who ain't aware, the Royals did trade away gold glove center fielder Michael A. Taylor. I would say finally, but I think we were all kind of expecting it to happen eventually. Um, They traded him away to the Minnesota Twins for two minor league pitchers, uh, righty Steven Cruz and lefty Evan Sisk, I believe is how you say his name. Um, Just to get the details out of the way, Cruz and Sisk, they're not on the 40-man roster. Sisk is heading to AAA Omaha, and Cruz is heading to AA Northwest Arkansas. Uh, Both intriguing players but not like top 30 material but we'll we'll see what they can do um greg let's go and start off with you what did you what did you think about the taylor trade you go with it yeah i'm more or less okay with it as you mentioned it was kind of easy to see it coming just with the amount of outfield options they have available and just people that need to get some reps as far as the return i mean it's whatever for me i can understand why some fans are kind of disappointed with the return because i mean Look, it's hard to get too excited about two relief-only arms with command issues, and it's not like they're especially young either. That said, we're also talking about with Taylor, a soon-to-be 32, glove-first, fourth outfielder that'll hit free agency next offseason. Like, that's not a guy you're going to get elite prospects for, right? So one way to think about it, I think, is like this. So you're trading 
a pending free agent that's a mediocre at best hitter for two live arms that have all of their team control ahead of them and they don't need to go on the 40 man roster right away. So to me, this trade accomplishes three things. It's it opens up Taylor's roster spot. It clears up playing time for Drew Waters and or Kyle Isbell in center field. Probably makes it easier for someone like Edward Olivares to get reps also. And three, it adds two higher level arms with legit strikeout ability, which that's something that the upper minors bullpens for the Royals last year were sorely lacking as guys that can come up and punch dudes out. So, hey, these are two bullpen arms that could help the team next year, could help the team further down the stretch. Is the ceiling very high for them? No, but you weren't going to get that good of prospects for a guy like Taylor. Fair enough, fair enough. And Jeremy, before we move on to you, I do want to correct myself. So after the trade, um, MLB Pipeline did update the Royals' top 30 prospects, and Cruz is slotting in as the number 30 prospect in the system. So there's there's uh, something there, right, Jeremy? Uh, the number 30 prospect in the number, like, 26-ranked farm system. Woo! He's something. Sure. Yeah. Something. Uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty much with Greg in general on this trade. I feel like they were initially asking for uh Winder Winder, I don't know how you say his name, but he was a he was a league average starting pitcher for a fourth outfielder. And I'm not surprised the twins balked at that trade. Um the, the strikeout ability uh interests me because as as Greg noted, we don't have that in the minor leagues right now. Um, and and basically we traded a guy who was not going to contribute anything uh, for guys who might contribute something. And that's that's always a win, honestly, in my in my book. I don't I don't think there was any better trades out there to be had. Um, the Royals don't actually like to trade with the Twins or the Twins don't like to trade with the Royals. I think Max noted that that was only the third time in history that the two teams had traded. Uh, so. Uh, if that's if that's the team you're dealing with, then you probably didn't have anybody else banging down your door and asking asking for anything. Yeah, that that is an excellent point. And Jeremy, I I hate to correct you so so quickly, but Dave Dave Holtzman, or as we call him Holtzy, he did put out that this ah. is just the fifth ever trade between the Twins and the Royals, and actually. Um, the Twins are the Royals' least frequent trade partner in baseball. Like. Period. So it's I, I don't know what it is. Um, I was talking to talking to some other guys about this. Like, do, do y'all feel like Dayton Moore didn't like to trade within the AL Central? Like, I feel like that's a very much a football approach. I feel like Dayton Moore didn't like to trade. Well, yeah, period, period. <laughs> he Greg, what he do you think? always oh, believed sorry. in his guys and he believed in his guys more than anybody else's <laughs> guys. And and he'd rather just hang on to his guys and see what was going to happen. Yeah, that is true. Uh, I mean, he's, he seemed to like to trade with uh, Tampa, Oakland, and Milwaukee specifically, but every <laughs> other team, not really. Don't forget Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. Oh, oh he, yeah. A- anybody who was a former Brave, come on down to Kansas City. Dayton Moore's got a spot for you. Golly. He, man, I, I forgot about his link to Atlanta. Like, that really brought a lot of players in and took a lot of players down to Atlanta as well. Do you all remember uh, Frenchie? Jeff Francoeur? Yeah. Yeah, man. How like, can you he, forget Frenchie? <laughs> I, I got, let's see, what was that? I got, almost got quote unquote canceled for calling him Frenchie on, on Twitter because I couldn't remember how to spell his last name. So I just called him, I just called him Frenchie. But that, but that was his nickname. Huh. I don't, 
it is 2023, Jeremy. Okay, look, we, we can't just be saying nicknames all willy nilly like. Oh, all right. <laughs> Anyways, we will uh, let's go and wrap up the Taylor trade a little bit. So, like you both noted, um, on the wrong side of 30, he is entering his walk year. So this is the last year on his contract. And the Royals did move off his four and a half million dollar salary off the payroll. So, you know, those uh, those lovely bucks are put coming those, back. Those to Kansas dollars City. in John Sherman's pocket. Let's throw a party. <laughs> Let's go. That's a that's a hell of a pizza party, though. Honestly, I mean, like, yeah, if he's if he's sharing, <laughs> if he's how many sharing. hot tubs can he get with that extra money? <laughs> oh, man, that is a good question. All right. It's I'm going to like at least two. Right. Yes, at, at the very least. I guess it depends on if they're gold or not. <laughs> and what and what do they spray? Do they and are they, they attached they... to yachts? Yes, that too. Because <laughs> that's a hell of a filtration system. Like you have to you have to pay for the maintenance and uh, da, 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 da. so it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing, Jeremy. Um, all right, but yep, that was the Mike Lee Taylor trade, and then the Royals followed that up with the very I would say contentious trade of the week. Um, they shipped off. Alberto Mondesi finally, and a player to be named later to the Boston Red Sox for left-handed pitcher Josh Taylor. Um, this was, I feel like this wasn't a very big deal outside of the Royals fan base. Like the Royals fan base made this seem like we were trading away like our, I mean, you know, top half guy, you know, a guy we were all depending on. But Jeremy, like what, what did you think about the trade? The thing about Alberto Mondesi is that he has been he was pitched as the savior of the franchise from 2015 uh, for several years. And then he had the he had the breakout half season, I think, in 2018. I always I 2018 through 2020 just kind of blend together for me. So forgive me for not being 100 percent sure on that. Um, and, and everyone was like, oh, he turned the corner and he was healthy for a little while and it's going to be great. And then, and then he's at Alberto Mondesi. Like I get, I get really frustrated to the people who hate on him for being hurt. Like, dude, I'm sure the dude wants to be out there playing. That's how he makes his money. If he's not out there playing, he's not getting paid. But at the same time, like I understand the frustration. I'm just, everybody's frustrated. He's frustrated. The team's frustrated. The fans are frustrated. But it's the reality. He's, he was always hurt. Um, I was a little disappointed. Well, more than a little disappointed with this trade um, because it just felt like Mondesi could be anything. He could. He, he only has one year left, but he could be anything. He could be awful, but he could be great. And Josh Taylor, as a 30-year-old left-hander with control issues, who can really only get left-handers out, is is who he is. He's not going to be great. It's not going to happen. And so it feels like the Royals traded away, uh, you know, a lottery ticket for a, a pack of tissues. And packs of tissues can be useful under certain yes. circumstances. Yes, yeah, they can. Uh, but they're not as exciting as lottery tickets, even though That's lottery true. tickets, you know, lottery tickets could be useless or they could be extremely valuable. Um, so at, in the end, the big I was really frustrated because he didn't even the pitcher didn't even pitch last year. Just yeah, Taylor did not even that. pitched last year. But then I remembered Alberto Mondesi didn't really play <laughs> last year. So we're kind of exchanging guys who didn't play. So yeah. I 
I was initially very frustrated that this is one of the reasons I should never go with gut instant reactions. But in the end, it's it's just whatever. It doesn't matter. He wasn't going to be a big part of this team going forward. If he did break out this year, it wasn't going to make the winners and he wasn't going to be around next year. Um, there's too much bad blood between him and Kansas City now, the fan base more than the franchise. So it's fine. There's a left-handed reliever, whatever. Woo-hoo. Love it. Greg, what do you think of the trade, man? To expand on your analogy there just a little bit, Jeremy, it's like Mondesi is the lottery ticket, except the lottery ticket would reward you with a sports car that you only get to drive until the end of 2023, at which point you have to get rid of it. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of tickets for a pack of tissues, whatever. I'll take the tissues personally. I think I'll probably get more use value out of them. Look, th- this trade surprised me. One, for the reaction that it got, it does seem like Mondesi inspires a certain passion within Royals Land <laughs> that I don't quite understand. It's like I've... I posted an article about Mondesi on Royals Review back in August, and that got by far the most engagement out of anything I've ever posted on that website. And I didn't really understand why, and I don't think I ever really will. But frankly, I thought he had no trade value at all. Like, this is a guy that has played in 38.6% of possible games over the last four full seasons. And when he has played, he's produced a 79 WRC plus with over six times as many strikeouts as blocks. And he's been about the streakiest player imaginable. I mean, when he's on, he's incredible. He looks like one of the best players in baseball. And when he's off, he looks unplayable. Like, he looks like he has no business being in the majors. And it all averages out to a well below average hitter over that span. Now, the defensive base running. It's Greg, if if, if I could for for a moment, um, Hunter Dozier would like a word about the streakiest player (laughs) in baseball. Okay. No, Um, honestly, give him a run for his money on that. Hunter well, if, hot streaks do not equal Alberto Mondesi's hot streaks. Let's I would, be real. I, I would say he he can give him a run, but I don't think Mondesi can uh, can run right now, unfortunately. So. <laughs> That's what I was going to mention. Also, with Dozier, it's like with Mondesi, at least it gives you defense and base running, which mm-hmm. Dozier doesn't. Yep. That's where yep. a lot of Mondesi's value comes from in general. But he's been hurt so much over the past few years, including lower body injuries. I mean. There's no guarantee that he still has that elite level defense or that elite speed anymore. And who knows how much longer he's going to have those because the moment those are gone, he has nothing else to fall back on as a player. Like he'll be unplayable at that point. So that's why I'm just surprised they managed to get anything for him. I'm also surprised that anything they got was a reliever that turns 30 in March. Like I'm not really sure why that was the type of player the Rollers are targeting. So this is a weird trade, but for all the reasons that Jeremy mentioned, it doesn't matter. Like, even if he was great for the first half this year, I don't think there's any real chance to get like a marginally better return than you would have right now. So I don't think it matters, honestly. Like he wasn't going to be here after next year. That bridge seems to have been burned already. He's not going to help this team go from being trash to a postseason team in 2023. So, yeah, sure. Trade him for a reliever. that's about to turn 30 because why not? I don't know. Hey, you know what? You're you're not wrong. And I, I will say this. Um, so I think a lot of the fans reaction to the return from Mondesi was kind of also hinging on the fact that the Royals had to add in another guy like they and had to was, add in. The that was particularly weird. I thought that Mond- I feel like Mondesi should get you a 30 year old reliever straight up. Well, I, player to be named later probably doesn't matter. But also, right. why? Why does it take that? Maybe do you think maybe they just wanted him off the 40 man like that that badly? 
I feel like the Red Sox were supposed to be the ones who were in desperate need of the shortstop. Right. So it, it, uh, it's hard of course, to say. Appar- apparently, Modesty is not currently healthy. That's yeah, the thing. Okay, so oh, will is he, he even, still not healthy? He's, he's still rehabbing. And so Heim Bloom oh, has well, already said that yeah. like, he might not be ready for opening day. Like They're not even necessarily planning on him as a starter. Well, that so, does change things also. It, it does. It does. And also, look, if if the Royals are trading for a guy who didn't pitch at all last year with with a back issue of, of all things like back issues can be nagging and take you out and take you out of the league altogether. If if they're trading for him, then they must have some sort of insight into his current capabilities, into his readiness to go for 2023. And honestly, we were joking about it at the beginning of the show. But it is easy for them to see, hey, this guy has, I think, like three years left of control and multiple options left. If if he's going to be treated like a like a fringe major league player, then you want those options and you can move them up and down between Kansas City and Omaha. So I, I understand the fans response to this. But if you look at it just from, let's say, 2021 on. You know, Mondesi, he's not looking like the savior of the franchise anymore. He's not looking like a dependable guy in the in the field or in the box. What like what else would you expect to get for him? You know? I think, Greg, like, do, do you have any final thoughts on Mondi trade? No, like I said, I'm surprised he had trade value at all, honestly. Like, I didn't think the Royals would be able to get pretty much anything in a trade form. So even if it's a 30-year-old reliever who, on one hand, didn't pitch in 2022 on the other hand was really quite good in 2021. So who knows? Like, I don't say I'd be more scared if it were like shoulder issues or forearm slash elbow issues, like back issues aren't great for a pitcher, but those other areas worry me more. That's fair. Jeremy, any final thoughts? Uh, not about Mondesi. <laughs> not about Mondesi. Well, Hey, we're going to take a quick ad break and Jeremy, I would like to hear those thoughts on the other side of it. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. And we are back on Royals Review Radio. Jake Milham here with Jeremy Greco and Greg Walker. Um, so honestly, we got through those trades about as quick as they happened in uh, in Kansas City. Um, I do. I feel remiss if we didn't touch on the fact that former Kansas City Royals player Carlos Beltran um, went through his first ballot of the Hall of Fame, and he ended up with forty six and a half percent of Hall of Fame votes. Um, honestly, I thought he was going to be a first ballot guy. He did get, let's see here, he got 181 votes out of the 297 ballots cast. So not not a bad 
number, I guess, but he still has to reach that 75% threshold to get into the Hall of Fame. Um, so, Greg, Jeremy, I let's go and start off with Greg. I would like to get your thoughts. Like, are you surprised Beltron's not in? Are you expecting him to get in? I'm not surprised that he didn't get in first ballot. I didn't really think he would. I'm sure he's going to get in eventually. There is definitely a segment of voters, don't know how many, but there is some amount of them that are going to hold the sign-stealing scandal with the Astros against him because he was the player that was, I mean, for lack of a better term, scapegoated in that incident. Like, he was the one player that was actually named as being a part of it and playing a big role in it. That's going to be held against him to some extent. I mean, we'll have to see over the next few voting cycles how much of an extent that will be. As far as the numbers on field, I think, like, yeah, he's a Hall of Fame. Like, some voters might be like, well, he was never, like, an MVP-level player. Maybe some people feel like his peak wasn't quite there. But, I mean, I think the numerical case is good enough. It's just going to be a question of, like, how much does that legacy with the Astros hold him back? That's fair. Jeremy, what do you think? Yeah, uh, pretty similar thoughts. Again, um, the the two things I think are holding him back – uh, are the the scandal and and the fact that he played for so dang long that um, he was not great by the time he retired he was just good and um, it's it's he's still fresh in a lot of people's memories so it's easy to remember uh, that guy he played for the Astros he wasn't that good you're gonna put him in the Hall of Fame but at the same time he got forty six something percent of the vote um, that's usually a good sign that you're gonna get in eventually. Uh, generally speaking, the the numbers go up. Um, so uh, starting that high, the numbers go up. He should get there within the 10-year limit, I would expect. Yeah, I'd, I would as well because, like you said, they have a 10-year limit as long as they stay above a 5% threshold. So him falling 40-some-odd percent um, is pretty hard to imagine in my mind. And I do also want to point out that one of the guys that got in, Scott Rowland, um, him and Beltron have the same exact wins above replacement at 70.1. So that that is a good sign. Um, but and this it, is also go ahead. It took Roland a little bit it for did. people it to recognize how great his career was, too. He was as I would have voted for him on his on his first ballot. But it took him. How many years did it take him? It took him more than five. Yeah, it was six or seven. And I mean, part of that was because early on in his voting area, I guess it was a pretty crowded ballot. There was still a lot of guys mm. from that kind of previous era. Then there, there was a log jam from all the PED guys. So with a lot of them bonds, Clemens, all of them coming off the ballot. Now I kind of cleared it up a little bit. Yeah. Huh? That's good to know. But yeah, like you both touched on, I mean, Beltron, he played 20 seasons, 20 seasons in major league baseball. Like that is absolutely unheard of nowadays. So you would think that, I mean, I bet his longevity did help him some. I bet it hurt him some as well. Um, so I'm sure he will see a rise next year. I just don't know if it'll quite put him over the bump. Um, Greg, I'm going to put you on the spot, and then Jeremy, you you right after him, so you get you get a little bit of reprieve there. Um, <laughs> if you had to guess a year of where Beltron gets in, what year would it be for you? I'm going to guess it'll be on his fourth ballot. So. That would be, what, 2026 now? I guess, I mean, as next year Todd Helton is getting in. I'm calling it now. Next year Todd Helton's getting in. Billy Wagner better get in, too. I just need <laughs> to see my guy get represented. After that, Andrew Jones and Gary Sheffield, maybe, maybe not. They're all getting pretty late in their voting cycles, so we'll see. 
But, I mean, Beltron is pretty clearly the next best candidate after that because he doesn't have the PED stuff like A-Rod and Manny did, and he's just a better player than everybody else that's on the ballot. That's fair. Jeremy, what about you? Uh, I'm going to go six or seven. I think the longevity, like you said, I think it hurts him early on because, like I said, people are remembering the not-quite-as-good version of Carlos Beltran that finished his career. But as we get further away, they'll they'll pay more attention to the stats and less to their feelings about who he was mm. as a player, and they'll see that those kind of pop off the page um, and, and that he does deserve to be in there. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go a little bit more uh, bullish on him. I'm, I'm going to say year three. He, he gets in. Um, that's, look, I ain't gonna lie, that, that's just a hot take, but I just think that the Astro scandal is really holding him back more than we might realize um, because he, was, he wasn't he was just a, a benefactor is how it was pitched. Like, he was pitched as the as an orchestrator, if if you will. Like, I I remember reading, reading a book called Astro Ball. It came out in 2018 before they they found out about the whole scandal and it was talking about how important Beltron was to this to this young lineups hitting and how quickly it, it <laughs> turned around once he came on and I, w- I was just I was listening to it not reading it I was like oh oh god did was he banging the trash can was was he the trash can I don't I don't know <laughs> wait was he the trash can <laughs> yes was he the trash I don't can. think he was the trash can well he was playing like it at some points anyway Were you in the dugout can you confirm that <laughs> um you, you heard it here fo- first folks I don't know if Carlos Beltran is is a human being he might be a rubber made trash can so well, we'll that, see that would, that would make him the second entity that's not a human being on the current Hall of Fame ballot, because I am convinced that A-Rod is not a human. The way that he talks, the stuff that he says, <laughs> he is for sure an alien. I have no doubt about that. He is. He is just trying to, like, acclimate himself with the human race as as it goes along. Like he's, he's too weird to be a regular human. He really is. And that did that. So am I just. Is this like a Mandela effect or something? Did didn't that man own like a, a franchise for a little bit? He currently has at least a partial ownership stake in the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, okay. I th- for some reason I was thinking that he had an ownership stake in the Miami Marlins. Jeter did. Jeter, Jeter did. Yeah, those I get those cheaters confused. All right. Any anyways. Wow. Fighting words against Jeter. Okay. That's an even hotter take than Carlos Beltron is a trash can, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I I had to top that one really quick, uh, b- before we moved on. Um all right, we are in the latter half of the show, so I do we have to touch on this because it was another divisive thing in the Royals fan base. Oh, uh, we, we gotta talk about this Aroldis Chapman signing, man. Mm. Um, now I do want to point out it is not official yet. Uh, he has not been added to the 40 man roster. It is still pending a physical. And if we've learned anything this off season <laughs> about physicals, you can fail them. Like it's, it's not a gimme anymore, apparently. Um, and if, if I can give my first thoughts, I'm very confused as to why they would sign a reliever. If they're adding so many relievers via trade, like I know, I know Cruz and uh, and Sisk, I believe his name is. I know they're not going to contribute right away, but you're you're getting Taylor to add to the bullpen. Um, the bullpen was already a little crowded as it is. Jeremy, I like to go ahead and start off with you. Like, mm. what is what are your thoughts on the straight, Chapman signing? Straight into the inferno. Yep, we're we're going right there, man. All, All right, so gosh, I have so many thoughts. 
I could fill a whole podcast all by myself. I will try to keep them brief. Uh, dude, dude fired a gun in anger, uh, admitted to that. So we know he did that much. Um, it didn't hurt anyone this time, that time, but it's, it's a problem. And part of the problem the Royals had early on last year was clubhouse issues. Um, and, and I think a couple guys mentioned a little bit of selfishness going on. Uh, so I don't understand why you're introducing selfishness with someone like a Chapman. Um, and there's selfishness beyond that because last season there was the, the whole, uh, the Yankees said, Hey, you know, you got this mandatory workout. You show up, you probably end up on the postseason roster. Who doesn't want to be on the postseason roster? That's your chance to make your name for yourself. There's extra money involved. Like, the postseason roster is where it's at, guys. He didn't show up to his workout. Didn't care enough. He uh, also had an infected tattoo that he just let become awful rather than talking to someone about it and getting it treated. Ended up, I think it was, it kept him on the injured list for a while longer because he was already injured when he got the tattoo. Um, so just like the dude is a mess. He is a mess off the field. And hey. he's not good on the field. Because his velocity is coming down, he's striking fewer guys out, and he's walking more guys. And the Royals guaranteed him almost $4 million. That's a guy who, when he doesn't have the off-field issues, gets a non-roster invite. And you say, hey, you show up good in spring training, we've got a spot for you. But he gets guaranteed money. And the Royals have allegedly... Uh, I know the signing isn't official yet, and, and uh, you know we don't ever know 100% of what goes on in these negotiations, mm-hmm. but allegedly they've offered him the closer's role. Um, So they're not yeah. just asking him to relieve. They're asking him to come in and be their best reliever. Why? What about a role does Chapman makes you think that's a good idea or could possibly work? It's just insanity. It is, it is truly, I am not exaggerating when I say that it is truly making me question my fandom in the Kansas City Royals. Makes me question whether I want to continue being a fan if they're going to employ someone like Aroldis Chapman and who has his off-the-field issues and who has his on-the-field issues that just make the deal stupid even if he didn't have the off-the-field issues, which he does have. So I, I'm extremely frustrated about it. The only good thing about it is that if he's closing, they're almost certainly trading Scott Barlow at the height of his value. Um, and, and so hopefully we can look forward to that and be like, Ooh, pretty bright, shiny prospects to, to <laughs> drool over. Um, and, and I will end hey. my rant there. Okay. Well, Hey Greg, why don't you pour some more uh, gasoline on the fire here? Let's, uh, <laughs> let's get this fire roaring. Pretty well covered. Well, you know, Jeremy, first, I won't uh, share that previous problem with you because I'm already a Padres fan now, so I don't have to worry too much uh, about if the Rollers are going to be good or not. Yeah. I mean, dude, they have pink on their City Connect jerseys. Like, that is just the coolest thing. So yeah. that was a, and they're willing to spend money and just buck the whole small market trend. So let's go Padres. <laughs> but anyway, talking about Chapman, look, he's a guy that was bad in 2022, seemingly has been steadily declining for like five years, even prior to that has a very troubling domestic violence history. And as you mentioned, not showing up to the team workout, getting left left off the postseason roster, seems like a questionable clubhouse presence. So suffice to say, I hope he does not pass his physical. 
yeah, I think I think a lot of fans will agree with that. And I, I, I really don't. He's I would call him an unsavory guy off the off the field. Like, I don't know how else to succinctly and civilly put it. Um, because he, I mean, go ahead. I, I forgot he's he's thrown at people's heads, too. Oh, yeah, that's field. true. That is true. There is a there's a montage. It's a it's a fake like hype tape from his time in New York. And it's just him like hitting batters and wild balls. And he is Greg. You're, I completely agree with you. He's just been steadily declining for at least four years now. He was at one point. He was one of the best relievers in Major League Baseball and probably one of the best flamethrowers at his peak. Right now, he just he needs to ride out of the league. And I don't I feel like he had his time to get away after the Yankees let go of him. I, I don't know why Piccolo's bringing him back in. I I really don't. I don't see what he brings to this staff that they can't find in, in a trade or or another free agent unless unless they're really seeing something in him on the diamond, but they're going to have to, they're going to have to answer for the fact like, Hey, you, you signed this guy, not, not this player. You signed this guy. And this is what this guy has done. And this is why no one likes him. You know, I'm not expecting a role as Chapman bobblehead night anytime soon, but I mean, come on, you gotta, you gotta Gosh. do some things for the fans. If they didn't enroll this bobblehead, I think, I think that would be, I would be done. I think I would walk away at that point. Yeah, that would uh, that would be an interesting discourse. Greg, do you have anything to wrap up the Chapman stuff? My favorite role this Chapman memory will always either be Ben Zobris taking him yard in Cincinnati in 2015 or yeah. Mike Brasso taking him yard to bury the Yankees in the 2020 postseason in San Diego oh, for yeah. whatever reason. Neutral site game. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Man, 2020 was so weird. when It, it was came a to fever dream, wasn't it? It was. Like, it was just a weird sports year like yeah the nba bubble you had empty nfl stadiums you had adalberto Mondesi starting all but one game (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) and for half of them he was incredible (laughs) like in september of that year he was oh wow i i did forget how good he was during that time man yep okay fever dream that's that's the only way to describe it we all had covid at the same time and we were hallucinating things for for an entire year well, for what right. it's worth, before September, he struck out in like every single plate appearance. And so it was just typical modesty streakiness. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, guys, we are almost at the end of our show here, but we would be remiss if we didn't do some Royals review reviews around here. So, Greg, could you please start us off tonight with your review? Yeah, so a few weeks ago, I had a, a nightmare where I went to my local beer station and it didn't have exactly what I was looking for. And it turns out the nightmare was actually real life because they had cycled out their Voodoo Ranger hoppy variety mm. pack. And so I had to get the new one. And it had my favorite Voodoo Ranger of all time that was set to be discontinued because it lost in the fan poll for which one was going to be continued. But Last week, I went back to that shop, and somehow they had one case of it back left in, and I managed to get it. And so for one of the last times, maybe ever, I get to enjoy from New Belgium Brewing Company, the Voodoo Vice IPA, my probably my favorite IPA, my favorite of the Voodoo Ranger line. It's just absolutely delicious. I am forever devastated 
that it lost in the fan poll, but its competition was Danger Beach, which is also a very excellent IPA in its own right. So I'll drink that in the future, but I, I'm going to miss this one for sure. Also, wow. like Danger Beach, that's a heck of a name. I know, right? That, that's it is a, really good. It's a pretty, pretty cool sounding beer. Like then maybe that's why it won. Probably, probably so, honestly. It's all about marketing, man. You know that. All right, Jeremy, what you got for a review, man? I just love that that Greg can always be counted on to give us a beer, and I can always be counted on to give you something Japanese. So oh, today yeah. I'm going to give you another anime, uh, one of my favorite anime. It's I haven't watched it in a while. I need to rewatch it. Um, but it's an anime called My Teenage Romantic Comedy Snafu. And it is about uh, a teen guy who just doesn't know how to be friends with anyone. He's just like, people are weird. I don't want to be friends with them. And his teacher just looks at him as like, you got to have friends, dude. So she puts him in this club uh, with this, these other two girls. Uh, it's, and, and I forget what the club is called, but basically the idea is that they just help people. Um, and gradually through the course of the, the show, they, they help people do various things, uh, learn to drive, to do a school dance, whatever, uh, get elected as school president. And, and he makes friends by helping people do things. Um, and, and, uh, and of course there's a love triangle with the two girls in the club. Uh, but it's a really, I'm not a love triangle fan by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a really interesting love triangle. There's a lot of, um, unspoken emotional depth that goes on there. Uh, so it, you really have to actually be paying attention to kind of just see all the nuances of it. It's very interesting. Uh, had three seasons and, uh, that's going to be my recommendation for today. All right. Well, uh, thank you both for very, uh, happy ones because I am about to bring the whole mood down. Um, and I am going to review inflation. All right. <laughs> Because look, you're macroeconomics you're like, 101 here. All right. Um, maybe no. maybe like one. I just one, not 101. <laughs> just just one. All right. But like, so you know, you hear folks talk about inflation, things like that. Prices going up, but you know, they they eventually have to come down, right? At some point. And sure. I don't think I realized how serious the situation was until. Sonic raised their corn dog prices from 50 cents to 99 cents. Like, oh, the, no. Well, they've been 50 cents my whole freaking life, man. <laughs> like, that's fair. Gonna, I mean, that's fair. You're, you're going to double them? Like, it's that bad? <laughs> I don't I know. I saw, just to completely derail you for a second, I, I saw a, a video on the internet recently about Wendy's four for four deal going for $5. Yep. Exactly. They still call it the four for four, but it's it's five. Like, what are you doing? Words matter. <laughs> Remember when the dollar menu was a thing? Yeah, me, me yes. too. Like, you can't get nothing for a dollar now, right? That was a relic of like 2011. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making me feel old, Greg. I'm I'm a whole 26 years old, and I and I feel like a relic. <laughs> Damn it, man. <laughs> <laughs> but that is my negative review for today is inflation because I like my 50 cent corn dogs from Sonic drive through. So, but now they're 99 cents and I can't afford to spoil myself anymore on corn dogs. 
All right, that is going to do it for our show tonight. Um, let's do the social media roundup. Greg, where can folks find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Greg Not Craig and see all my silly takes. You can also listen to me talk about baseball at my other podcast, Bat Flips and Infield Shifts. We are currently doing a bunch of college stuff previewing the season. In fact, I'm going to be uploading our Pac-12 conference preview tonight. So check that out if you're interested. You can listen to it wherever you're listening to this. Heck yeah, sounds like a plan. Jeremy, what about you, man? You can find me on Twitter at Hakaius, H-O-K-I-U-S. Uh, and yeah, I'm still there. I'm I'm still doing my thing. They haven't stopped me yet. <laughs> not not yet. Uh, Elon has not caught us all yet. <laughs> and uh, you can find me on Twitter at jmildeham. And you can find all of our work at royalsreview.com. Um, our fearless leader Max Reaper over there. He is uh, he's doing good work, and he is running the Royals Review Twitter and Facebook. So kudos to him. But for everyone out there listening, thank you very much for your support. And until next time, go Royals!